Russ Kickle, and on this episode of American Reef, Mike's got a new toy. What is this new toy? Let me play a video that I shot actually when the new toy came in. What do we got, Mike? We got new toys for Mike. We got an Elos tank shipped direct from Italy, which is the way to go. And it's gonna be my new 90 gallon tank to replace the 70 upstairs. And it will be the nicest piece of furniture in my house because the stand is carbon fiber. It's not the typical wood crappy stand. It is one of the nicest pieces of furniture you will see. And as an added bonus, I'm going to set the 90 up as a Triton system. So it's going to be all new stuff. A brand new skimmer, brand new lighting system, brand new tank and stand. I am keeping some of my old fish, and I'm going to do something else different. Everything is going to start from frags. So we're going to see how the tank grows in, how long it takes over time, how the colors look, everything over time. So this is obviously going to be not a three-month project. <laughs> this is probably going to be a couple-year project. But this will give everyone an idea of how things progress and how fast things can grow. So stay tuned. Should be fun. So let me pause this video for a second and point out one thing. Did you notice how excited Mike was, right? His body language. I mean, here's a dude that's been in the hobby for like decades, and yet he's acting like a child on Christmas Day. And I think that's awesome, right? It just goes to show you what kind of passion, what kind of fun the, the hobby really has, even decades later, right? Um, and, you know, now if, if you want to check out any of that passion live, so to speak, I know that uh, he will be speaking over the Rifa Palooza New York event. Now, it's going to be him, uh, Sanjay Yoshi, and Jake Adams. And uh, ultimately, uh, again, it's one of those things where as far as that kind of show goes, I know I've heard from the last viewers, and basically they said uh, the Orlando show, that at least the ones that attended, they loved it, right? Um, it was like, again, being surrounded by people who have the same kind of addiction, so to speak. And uh, whether it was, you know, the livestock, providers or the product manufacturers. I guess there was a lot of good conversation uh, and a lot of good knowledge exchange kind of thing. So again, uh, it's, it's one of those things where uh, if you're in the area, again, June 25th, 26th in that New York, New Jersey area, uh, head on out. I'm sure it'll be an event that uh, you'll get a lot from. And if for whatever reason you can't make it there, don't worry, I'm sure there will be other Reef of Palooza events. But if you want to see maybe, um, you know, some of the projects Mike's got going on or maybe some of the, you know, systems that Sanjay has, etc., you can check out the American Reef videos. Again, AmericanReef.com. They are scattered through those channels where you can kind of see whatever projects they've had working on that I was able to capture over time. Again, for the new hobbyist, a lot of good information to be had. Now, regarding today's video, Basically, it took probably a few months for our schedules to kind of sync up, but when they did, I was able to catch Mike right as he was firing up the filtration in this new tank, right? Um, basically, he was able to set the tank up, build the stand, add water, etc. Um, so we caught him at the point where basically, again, he's going to fire up this new filter slash sump, and it was a good kind of Q&A as far as, you know, how he's building this tank, as well as maybe some of the things that he likes about it, some of the things that he, you know, wants to change or kind of work on in the future, and again, just a good knowledge exchange. So uh, let's head on over to Mike's and uh, let's check it out.
Dude! Russ, how you doing? Good timing. You look pretty. Hold it. Top down. So I beat you here. What are we doing today? Today we're going to do the startup for the new tank. The Elos tank. We're finally getting it ready. And we're going to go through the whole discussion of what we're doing. Uh, this is what I do when I come home from work. I typically work on new tanks. <laughs> so why are you down on the floor, Mike? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Nothing better. No, I, I, I'm not using an Elos sump on here. Right. Because I always like a bigger sump. So I have changed one thing from what I okay. recommend. Okay. But it's basically because I like a bigger sump. Bigger to me is better. Well, how many gallon sump is that? This is roughly 40 gallons. The, the sump they uh, gave with it was roughly 25 to 30. Okay. Yeah. So it's slightly bigger, but it gives me more play, more yeah, yeah. area to do stuff with. So I've, I've separated basically into three chambers. This is the first chamber. This is a simple LED reptile light okay. with a circular LED 6500K bulb in it. Okay. So what that is going to do is going to light the first two chambers, which are going to be the Cato chamber and the Calerpa chamber. So hold it, you're going to have two separate? Two separate chambers. And all I've done is I've put a piece of egg crate in between okay. to separate them. Oh, okay. So hopefully that will do enough. I mean, over time I'm going to have to separate them even more, but sure. I'm hoping Decatur will be moving around just from the, the flow coming down here right. and break things up because I can see the, the flow and the bubbles going here. Right. And then the color will be in this chamber, and this should be ad more than adequate light for it because this is roughly 9,000 par. Right. So it should crank the stuff growing. I mean, I'm not putting my big balls of Cato in there because I don't really need them yet and I have fortunately have more in the other tank the colorpus from the other tank as well now is there anything or any particular reason why you're keeping them separated uh, just because this will tend to overgrow that and it I won't get the kind of uh, growth that I want okay if that and okay. each one takes out different compounds supposedly really? no one's really done that study okay but in theory they do. And voila. Obviously this is going to need, need to get cleaned because you're going to get salt spray that's going to dry up there. Are you worried about the heat in the water cracking the glass? This is actually not even warm. Okay. There's no heat to this compared to the old uh, fluorescent tubes or the old incandescent bulb. Right. This LED, I mean, is, I mean, you could put this anywhere. It's probably 110 degrees max. Okay. I mean, it's not much warmer than body temperature. so. In that context, I think this is a, a much better ticket to go. I mean, this cost uh, roughly $9 and the uh, bulb was $7. So it's a lot cheaper than putting an LED system on there like I have on the other tank. And from my point of view, there's also a, uh, uh, a clamp that you can get that you could mount this on if you wanted to. Sure. And that's what I was going to do originally. But then when I put this on for a couple days just to test the heat, it never gets any warmer. Sure. And that will run roughly for uh, a year before I have to change the bulb. So right. changing a bulb for nine bucks a year it works. not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So while we're down here, let's explain how at least this tank, the water's dropping down into it. Okay. The water flows off the back through this uh, overflow that actually gathers detritus from various areas in the tank. It's not just a typical overflow that draws just off the top of the tank. But rather, there are, as you can see, there are sl slots that draw water in through it. Then it goes up over the top and the overflow is behind it. So you're drawing water not just from the surface, but from every area of the tank, because the amount of overflow that can do it is larger than what the overflow is at the top of the, of the system. Sure. So it's, it's a, a really interesting design in terms of taking water out, and it allows you to run a lot more current within the tank 
to blow the water around because I have the, the jets blowing one across the top and one across the bottom, basically swirling it, hopefully. And we're actually going to put in some uh, amino acids just to see how much of a, a flow we get within this tank because I actually haven't done that yet. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of flow we get within the tank when I add the amino acids compared with when I did that downstairs. We saw how the flow was really uh, impressive and spread throughout the tank very quickly. And we're going to see if that happens here as well. So water's dropping down into the sump and it's coming into, what is that, an inch and a half kind of flexible? Yeah, in, a, in, a, in an inch and a half flex tubing. Okay. On the back of this stand and in the bottom of the tank is a rubber gasket that it just screws into, so it's totally watertight. And the same thing with the flow coming from the pump back into the tank. He has a really nice system for attaching things so that you're not going to get leakage and have to worry about salt creep and everything else with these. And obviously I, I have gone back there with a flashlight at night just to see if there was anything dripping or leaking and there's absolutely nothing. So it's really impressive how well designed everything is from how the stand is designed, where all the weight is on the sides. Even though there's cross beams going across, I mean it's structurally a much stronger tank than the traditional where it's sitting on the four legs. This is sitting on this whole surface area. So the weight is spread over a much larger area right. than it is with a traditional tank where you just have the four legs. Right. Okay, so then water comes down through the two chambers. It's going to go over here. It goes the down side. through. It goes across. It gets into the skimmer. This is also where the reaction chambers will be, or the media chambers will be. Mm -hmm. That will also do that. It then goes over another overflow into the last chamber where the uh, uh, where the pump is. Okay. And the pump is a DC pump, so it's as, as quiet as Lucy is sleeping at night, and it just shoots the water up very quietly. You can adjust it down to. 10% or nine, I run it up to 100% flow, whatever you want. Uh, right now I'm running at 75% and you can see how quickly the little fronds and little pieces from the Calerp have already been blown into the tank through this. So let's take a second and talk about that return and why it's different, for example, than the rest. Whenever you want. Okay. Unlike a traditional flow, which is just a hole in the bottom of the tank, or a hole in the back of the tank where the water goes up over a lip and goes down. This is an engineering marvel from my point of view in that you can adjust virtually everything in here. This is the entryway where you can see there's already a fair amount of gunk has accumulated across the top that can be cleaned off. It comes out real easily. But the flow itself is, the overflow is here, but the overflow is more than can be handled just by the top of this. So you're drawing flow and water and detritus throughout the tank at every level because of these slots. It then flows up and over the overflow. That's just part of why this is really cool. The other thing is, there, this is two parts to this. One is the front part is you can adjust the flow to make it as quiet or as noisy as you like. You mean the flow going into the sump? The flow going into the sump, you can drop the level in here and make it really loud if you like that watery sound or you can bring the flow up and you can watch it back here to bring it to the level you want to make it as quiet as you want. I personally like the quiet but that's just me because I'm used to having loud tanks and this tank doesn't detract. I've actually been able to lower the volume on my television when I watch it because the old tank was so much louder. But in addition to that there's more in that there's a flow switch right here which you can adjust the flow at the top or the bottom of the tank so you can get more flow across the top as you can see here 
or you can reduce it down to where most of the flow is at the bottom of the tank. Cool. And so when, you, when you say bottom, you mean the bottom of that return. The bottom of the return, there's a, there's a supply line coming in. Now, I know you're thinking, okay, what happens when the water goes off? Doesn't that bottom line? No, there's actually a siphon stopper here or so that the siphon will break almost as soon as the water stops from the pump. And as a result, you won't overflow your sump. Did you test it? I have tested it multiple <laughs> times. Because one of the things that I've, two of the things I've actually forgotten to mention is the first thing with this rimless tank that you need to do is to make sure that it is level. on that leveling thing how many times did you do it we've done it three times it as close <laughs> as we could we didn't get it we got it as close to perfect as we can you can see the bubble is right on but it's roughly a sixteenth of an inch off mm -hmm. which may not seem like much but human eyes can see everything right. and with how many different angles are here it always looks like it's off center but it's as close as to perfect as we can get the difference between here, where I mean it's spot on, it's still roughly a sixteenth of an inch. You can actually see the sixteenth of an inch different across the edge, but it's not going to make a difference. Yeah. I mean, you don't want anything more than a quarter of an inch off. Yeah. And I try to make it be even less than that. Sixteenth of an inch. We put it in, took the water out three times. When I say we, my cousins come and help me. They just shake their heads and go, "You really are out of your mind." But I really did try to make this perfect. Initially, it was off by uh, over a quarter of an inch. And you could significantly see it. I mean, I would ask people that came in, could you see the difference in the lines? And it was, <laughs> yeah, it looked like yeah. we were on a ship going over a wave. Yeah, so yeah. I have it to where I'm, I'm pretty comfortable that I'm not going to have any stress on the tank or the stand. Uh, if it's a sixteenth of an inch causes a problem, then this isn't as well designed as I thought it was. <laughs> but I think this is pretty well engineered. Right. So I think it can handle a sixteenth of an inch of stress. Right. And the other thing I forgot to mention is, I did also make one customizing addition to this tank. Uh, as we, I showed it, we showed in the pictures earlier, it's basically Euro braced all along the bottom and in the middle. Right. But nothing at the top. Right. That's really for strength purposes. There's nothing going to be stronger than that. But for looking at the tank, it's not particularly attractive. Right. So what I have done is I cut, got two pieces of glass cut to fill the squares. Those have been siliconed in. Then on top of that, I put black starboard. And underneath the blue light, the starboard actually looks blue, even right. though it's black. Right. But it makes a nice bottom. It's totally inert. Uh, the tritus tends not to stick to it, even as well as glass does. But we'll right. see. Right. Because my feeling is over time, coral and algae is going to eventually grow over everything. Right. But from my point of view, I think it makes the tank look a lot nicer and will make the coral stand out along with a black background. Even though this is only a 90-gallon tank, it looks bigger to me. Yeah, yeah, it looks deep. Yeah, it, looks, know, like, I mean, it yeah. looks like a really big tank. And I mean, that's why one of the funny things is when you're doing a new tank, how am I possibly going to fill this up? Well, mm. I know better than that. And I mean, the next thing we're going to fill it up with is the live rock that I have not been curing for approximately a month. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then some, right? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so let's talk next steps. In other words, right now you've got it filled. And that was this week, 
but you put your water in your now on the starboard did you do anything special to clean it set it or yeah it's, it's basically I, the thing i will say is find it on ebay because it's a lot less expensive than anywhere else uh, i found this piece uh it was roughly four feet by 24 inches uh cost me roughly 80 dollars. okay that was including shipping Versus I found it in other places for $120 plus $30 shipping. Right. So needless to say, that's the ticket. So right. if you're going to add starboard, do your homework because it can save you 50 or 60 bucks. And in my point of view, that's another frag I can buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not buying any more frag. Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's an Italian phrase, remember? Sabuono con which means you tell a good story, Michael. Yes. Right. So, okay. So to that being said, um, your next steps then, you're going to add another light. Gonna add another light. I'm right. gonna put the live rock in, let it cure in here for basically another week until I get the other light. Okay. Then uh, I'm gonna start adding a few. Well, once I put the live rock in, I'm actually gonna put a snail in, and maybe something else just to see if it how it does. Right. See if it lives. Right. Because one, this is gonna be a totally different water than I'm used to. Right. Because I know I can move stuff all around the tanks here. I want to see how easily I can move things from those tanks into here. Right. Or if I have to do some acclimation. Sure. It, may, it shouldn't be that different. We'll see, right? right. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, that will go in, and then I will put in some frags of corals that I have lots of to test how those do for a couple weeks to a month. Then once those are doing well and thriving, then I will start adding more things gradually over a month or so. Okay, so hold it back to the live rock. That was the rock that came out of the old tank that was there. That's some of the rock that was out of the live tank that was there. I got other live rock that cured with it. Okay. Uh, just to fill in the blanks, I ha and I also took some of the live rock out of the 300-gallon tank. Okay. So I have new rock that's been cured, live rock that's been taken out of this tank, live rock that's been taken out of the 300. So I have lots of rock. And did you do anything special when curing it? In other words, you know how a lot of people don't want little critters or whatever that was in the last piece of live rock? Or it's, No, it's just basically been curing in vats, not in bright light, but in sure. normal daylight. Okay. So there, there shouldn't be a lot of algae on it. There shouldn't be a lot of stuff on it. Uh, there's basically, I've measured the nitrates and the phosphates. They're undetectable in the rock. Uh, so there's no ammonia. So I'm okay. fairly confident that it, it is cured properly. Okay, and define for everybody what curing means for the new hobbyist. When you're setting up a, a tank and you do live rock, the old way we used to do it, you have to develop a biological filter because ammonia is toxic in a saltwater system. Unlike a freshwater system where it's not as toxic, in a saltwater system it's very toxic. So what you want to try and establish is a bacterial culture strong enough to consume any ammonia that's placed in the tank to convert it from ammonia into nitrite and then a different group of bacteria to convert to nitrite into nitrate. Nitrate you can handle up to 100 parts per million or really high levels of. Ammonia you can't handle, right. the fish cannot handle very much. The corals actually can handle it fairly well. Some of that corals actually consume it, clams consume it mm -hmm. directly, but you don't want high ammonia levels in your tank. Right. Consequently, when you're adding fresh live rock, a lot of stuff dies, you're, you get an ammonia spike, and then over time it comes down. So curing a tank now more or less is curing the live rock. That is giving it time for all the stuff you don't want to be on there to die off and for new stuff to take over that you can then put in the tank. So when you're curing your rock, are you doing water changes to that water? Yes. Okay. When I was doing my water changes on my big tank, I was taking the water out of the live rock tank, throwing that out and putting the clean water from my tank into okay. it. Okay, and then you say, and you got lots of current and flow to blow off whatever. Yeah, there's current flow, okay. the tank temperature is the same as this temperature. Yeah. 
everything's equal, so there shouldn't be any shock to what's on the rock. Yeah. Or shock, hopefully, to when I put a snail in. Sure. So, <laughs> but, I mean, there's, you know, why are you putting a snail in? Because I'm starting off with the cheapest thing I possibly can. <laughs> That I have actually had bad salt mixes in the past sure. where you would put the snails in and the sodium levels were so out of kilter the snails immediately dropped off the glass and died. Right. So I don't want that to happen here. So I'm hoping that this new salt, and it's not new, I mean everybody in Europe uses this, right. but I've never used it, is as good as what I've been using and doesn't shock the snails. Yep, yep. And then, then we'll test corals and then we'll test other things until we do the big jump which will be taking the fish out of the tank downstairs, acclimating them to this and putting them in, and then taking some corals out and putting them in. So that actually sounds like a good place to cut it, meaning our next video will be that poor little snail touching the water. <laughs> putting the live rock in the Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. So let me close this off by highlighting two items that didn't kind of come across clearly in the video. One of them, for example, was the glass. Um, basically, when you see this tank up close, in person, live, whatever you want to call it, you'll notice that the glass is really clear, and it's like extra clear. Um, and you know, it doesn't always come across that way in the video because you had water, this, that, and the other. Um, and, and I wanted to make sure I pointed that out. At one point, we actually did a test where we took a dollar bill, right, or a five dollar bill or something like that, put it on the glass, and you know, where you had half above and half below, and you saw that the color really didn't change. It was very clear, and, and you know, it wasn't muted, so to speak. And I've done that with some other tanks, where when you do that, not only is the, uh, the color not the same, but the clarity is not the same. And in this tank, it really jumped out at you. And again, that didn't come out in the video, I wanted to point that out. The second thing was that board that Mike put on in the bottom, uh, first of all, what he did is he did seal the edges when he put that in there. That way, uh, detritus and, and dirt and stuff like that wouldn't get un underneath and become a nutrient sink. But number two, it added kind of an aesthetic, right? If you like a bare bottom tank that was really awesome, it kind of gave depth to that black bottom for, you know, things to grow, you know, whether that's kind of, again, um, you know, star polyps, or if you want to put zooanthids, or if you want to put any kind of, you know, any kind of coral down there that would grow, you know, and crust on it, you know, it was kind of rough, so it would do that. But it also acted as a shock absorber when kind of you would drop things like rocks, etc. And you'll see that in the upcoming videos, um, but, you know, it's one of those things where I wanted to point it out now, because if you are new to the hobby and you are getting a tank, it's something worth considering. I know myself, when I set up a new tank, that's exactly what I'm going to do because it provided a lot or it solved a lot of uh, problems that I didn't realize I would have. And, um, and again, it's just really one of those things where I wanted to point that out, you know, as well as the glass so they didn't get lost in uh, translation, so to speak. Um, and then, again, you know, if you have any questions regarding any of that stuff, just send me an email over at AmericanReef at me.com. 
and again, you've heard me say this many times, but I want to take a second and to say it one more time. Um, give my sponsors a chance to earn your business, right? I believe them to be honest and good guys. And the reason why I say this at the end of the video is because I've done a lot of testing, right? And I've evaluated, you know, probably about 150-ish kind of livestock manufacturers, uh, product manufacturers, I should say, livestock distributors, um, and just, you know, general stores in the hobby and people in the hobby. And I found a lot of them not to be up to a standard that I would consider them wanting to care if you um, succeeded in this hobby. And I believe my sponsors, the ones that I've selected, do, right? You know, again, whether that's Bulk Reef Supply, Premium Aquatics, Worldwide Corals, you know, again, Tanzi, uh, Ecosystems with their Miracle Mud. Again, these are all um, sponsors who, number one, I've kind of you know, evaluated and came to that conclusion that this hobby is a better place, right, and this world is a better place with them than with maybe some of the competition. So again, if you're looking for any kind of product, livestock, etc., in the saltwater hobby, give them, a, give them a chance to earn that business. I am 100% positive you'll be satisfied not only with the quality, but the service, right? And again, as always, I'm Russ Kickle, and thanks for watching this episode of American Reads.